Hello and a big warm welcome to you. My name is Marion Rose and I'm so delighted to be doing something a little bit different today. So I have Joss Golden here with me again today. Hello Joss. Hi Marion. So Joss you're an Aware Parenting instructor and you were part of this homeschooling, Aware Parenting and Homeschooling series. You were the first one so if anyone wants to go back and listen to that I invite you to because I loved yours. Um, and you came up with an idea of doing a swap so that you could ask me the questions and I will share about my journey or our journey as a family with these two modalities. So I love that idea and I'm going to um, hand it over to you now. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much, Marion. I just was struck so many times. I love listening to the whole series. I love what everybody had to say. It was really, really nice. And I was so struck so often when I was listening that you know, apart from Aletha, nobody knows more about aware parenting than you do. And you've been homeschooling for so many years now. So you've got lots to say about it. And I know you are really passionate about it too. And um, just how many people you've inspired with both aware parenting and homeschooling. So we want to know what you think. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks so much for agreeing to let me turn the tables and start asking <laughs> you some questions about it and sharing your thoughts. Oh, thank you. Thank you, lovely. Yeah, and I notice it's like I'm much more familiar with the, the one that gets to ask the question. So thank you. <laughs> so I know you've um, shared in lots of your other podcasts about how you got into aware parenting, but would you be happy to just give us a brief thing to start with about how you started this whole journey? Uh, yes, it <laughs> started 52 years ago. A long time ago. Um, <laughs> The shortened version is that I have been passionate about understanding humans and why we are the way we are really from when I was a teenager. So I was very, very um, quiet. I had a lot of fear. Um, I was I clearly seemed to be really different from all of my friends and peers at school. So I just wanted to understand why I was the way I was. So when I first found out that there was this thing called psychology and that I could actually study and to understand human beings, I was, I was so excited. So I did a degree in psychology, uh, wanted to, uh, I was really passionate there about uh, child development. And also uh, there was this thing, I remember there was a, a paper once we did in, in, I think it was in developmental psychology and it was called the um, intergenerational transmission of parenting by this guy called Jay Belsky who does lots of research still and I was like oh my god that intergenerational transmission you mean parenting is transmitted from one generation to the next and I was you know I lit up and I uh, so these the, some of the threads that I was really inspired by so I did a PhD on postnatal depression and the mother infant relationship uh, Cambridge University and again this is so relevant for me because I had been uh, I was in, in an incubator as a baby for the first five weeks of my life so of course as I started to understand more exactly what I wanted to understand more about why I was the way I was uh, I started to realize the impact of my birth on me and and to understand child development and understand all of that stuff so I it was like um, unveiling something and getting to see you know like almost like I'm thinking like a gorgeous what would be the like a lovely statue golden statue or the best 
chocolate that you've ever tasted and like getting to tear away a little bit and seeing more and then oh yes more and tearing away another bit and just getting to see more and more and it it was really this uh, and like you can hear it I can hear it in myself I can feel my love and joy and energy as I reflect back on it is that every every time I saw more I I wanted to see more so um whilst I was doing my PhD, it was in Cambridge and I've shared the story how I was walking along with Cambridge, uh, Mill Road in Cambridge and uh, there was a little secondhand bookstore there that I used to love going in back in those student days. And I went in there one day and I found this book called The Continuum Concept, which I know you you found at a similar time. And it was a secondhand copy, I've still got it now. And I remember reading that and it just was so, um, I don't really like the word blown away, but I was, flabbergasted um, um, uh, words found me and the intensity of the feelings I feel I feel touched to tears remembering it too and I think as well so of course that was by um, Jean Leadloff about her time with the Yaquana peoples and uh, for me you know being in an incubator of those early uh, weeks and not having not being held and not not having the early mirroring and then growing up in the what I call the um, disconnected domination culture not having a lot of touch you know being I didn't get to co-sleep I wasn't carried you know it was a very different time then when I was a baby in the six late 60s um so I, I, I remember just like crying a lot reading that book do you remember that did you cry when you read it like oh my god and I think it's also that I started to start to see that this wasn't just about um, individual families I think from that psychology perspective back in those days anyway it was very much about you know looking at our own family and you know being individuals and and I started to I think be drawn to understand more about culture and history and understand the bigger picture of what we you know what we're talking about not it's not just about us and our and our parents but in this much much bigger picture around the culture and the time that we live in so I kept wanting to learn more and more and more. Um, and uh, the PhD wasn't enough for me. So at the same time, I decided to train as a psychotherapist and uh, came across this thing called psychosynthesis psychotherapy. So I was choosing between psychosynthesis and family therapy. So I was really like that systemic approach as well. And um, so I trained in that. So I carried through the whole of my 20s this absolute passion to dive in as deeply as I could into all forms of uh, this kind of work so of course in the psychotherapy training that was um, from 24 to 30 that I trained and I worked as a psychotherapist and again just really understand the origins of um, how important it is how we're treated as babies and children what a huge impact that has on our whole life trajectory uh, I remember, you know, I think back now, you know, mid twenties, me and having clients come to me in their forties and fifties, and, and and talking about how they were still struggling. And again, I feel touched to tears. I can remember sitting there in the, my little room in Devon, in Totnes, um, hearing their stories about how they were still struggling with actually being able to feel feelings and express feelings because they've never been heard and welcomed as as children. And uh, I got 
I got really into anything pre and perinatal psychology related. So I also went off and did lots of workshops in rebirthing and holotropic breath work and, you know, anything I could to like, to, I really, it was particularly the, that focus on babies, birth, babies, pregnancy, time, utero, early childhood. So that's really my, that's that passion that just built and built. So that was up until about 30. And then I moved to Australia and um, then it was like then the practical, that was the, like the, that was like the, so I started therapy as well when I was 22, when I was in Cambridge, I started therapy because again, I remember that moment I was in the Cambridge center, which was a new age center. So I got into the new age as it was called back then. And I remember a friend of mine sitting in a brown chair by the window and saying, she's talking about a therapy session she'd just been to and, she was talking about how she was the feelings she was having with her boyfriend were related to her relationship with her dad. And I was, and I, I said, and I thought to myself, Oh my God, I want to know that. I want to know how my relationships now are being affected by my relationships with my parents and my childhood. So I remember again, that moment, like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this. And so I had weekly gestalt therapy and then psychosynthesis until I was 30. So nearly 10 years of, weekly therapy which was fantastic and um, I remember thinking to myself I really um, I really would like to do 10 years of therapy before even thinking about becoming a mother and I'm so glad I did because I can't imagine what I would have had capacity for if I hadn't done that you know given my own experience and you know, I separated also from my mum for a year and a half when I was um, eight so you know there's a lot of hurt there are a lot of trauma around me and my mom and our relationship which of course has been my passion mothers and babies and mothers and children so I got to 30 and this is my whole life story um <laughs> I wanted to I won't go into much of the birthing but you know I trained in hypnobirthing and then various other things and then later calm birth and so whilst I was pregnant with my daughter who's now 19 and gorgeous I, I thought, okay, so now I'm going to become a mother. I'm going to be doing this parenting thing. So how can I, how can I parent? What's the practical things I can do that are going to integrate all these gazillion things that I've learned and trained in and experienced and had therapy in? You know, I want to, I want to, you know, clearly, <laughs> I forgot how passionate I was. <laughs> I was like, I really want to do this. And oh my gosh, I'm so grateful to life and Google, because even Google existed back then, um, that somehow I came across aware parent. Did I come across it or did I find it in a bookshop? Now I'm suddenly forgetting my story. Anyway, it was one of those two <laughs> and read it. And it was like the, all the light bulbs went off and the angels sang. And I was like, oh my God, this fits with every single thing that I've learned in research. Oh, because I I didn't mention that, but I also did a postdoctoral fellowship in um, infant development. So anyway, I carried on. So it, it was like, yes, this fits with everything. All the research, all the therapy training, all my own experiences as you know, working on my own baby experiences and how, how I would have loved to have been held and how I'd love to have had my feelings heard around what, you know, what I experienced around not being held when I was born. And here it was, and it was called Aware Parenting by Aletha Salter, PhD. And I was like, oh, my God, seriously, it exists. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> That's a really long story, but I love telling it, and it's a bit more fullness. 
it's so lovely though because you're just shining <laughs> in passion and enthusiasm and joy about it and I just love the fact that you were able to um, learn all this stuff and then have the understanding that this is how you wanted things to be different for your children and I love that Pam I think it's Pam Leo quote about how to we can help raise our kids so that they don't need to recover from their childhoods yes and um yeah it's so lovely that you had all that beautiful experience before becoming a mother so that you were then able to bring that to how you wanted to parent them so lovely yeah. and you know what I really notice as well when I reflect back on the first few years with Lana is I know so many parents different experiences so different but what I realized is because I'd had so many years of being heard I had 10 years of therapy almost or nine um of having my feelings heard and thinking from the perspective of me as a baby and me as a child there was so e I was so full up with empathy and compassion for her and to be able to just completely look at things from her perspective because I it's almost like I had that whole bank of listening so I think again you know, that made a huge difference um, yes yeah and because so often mothers, particularly young fathers, but mothers come to aware parenting without having had any of that themselves. And then they're trying to listen to their children's feelings with loving presence and compassion whilst not having received that themselves. It makes it so much harder, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think it's really, I really appreciate you asking me these questions because I think I, it's easy for me to forget that. I mean, I, whenever I do think of it, I'm in awe of anyone who is able to or wants to listen when they haven't received any listening because most of us didn't growing up in this culture. So I think it's profound for anyone who has that desire and willingness. It's a big, it's a mammoth step to take, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so when you first learned about aware parenting, was it was it in relation to the listening to feelings particularly that you were, it was resonating for you or were there other things about oh, it that you were struck by? I love that question. And do you know what? I don't know about you, but I don't need, it took me a long time to really get, I mean, I think it does to really get the nuances, years really, yeah. the listening to feelings part, but it was all the other things as well. It was around really understanding secure attachment and what that requires and the impact of birth and that fitted with, uh, you know, a new baby. And just, you know, I remember also having an experience um, with a friend in England who had a baby, so my first friend who had a baby. And I remember at one point, so I, you know, as a therapist and all that, that stuff. And she, um, she was with her baby and the baby started crying and she was doing all the things that babies, you know, parents do. She, the baby had been fed and changed and all of that. And I, I had that, I remember again, I remember sitting in a little cafe in Totnes with a brick wall behind. And I thought, gosh, you know, I wonder if, babies may also need to express their feelings and I remember that little you know these little moments that we have mm -hmm. the little thoughts so um it was yeah there was the the fact that they it was also the fact that they can heal from their experience of birth from birth onwards that was like the biggest aha because I got really into the work of people like Stanislav Groff who you know, really looked at the impact of birth and the um, the process of birth and to actually think that babies can heal from that right from when they're born that was like oh my god and the fact that they don't need to wait you know we don't need to wait till we become adults and go into therapy and mm -hmm. the fact that just the ordinary everyday things that all babies experience and that you know the fact that we as parents you know, for me as a mum thinking, gosh, I'm not going to be able to do everything accurately. I'm not going to 
be completely attuned. I'm going to not know stuff. The fact that they can heal from that as well. And that's, and, and actually do that with us rather than with some, again, the therapist 20 or 30 or 50 years later, all of those things were it's magic. Like it's, it's got it. It's got it all, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, and were the things that you noticed straight away with your daughter when she was born and, and how she was after you listened or connected with her in that way? Well, see, this is the amazing thing. Despite all of that, <laughs> the first three months, so I did all of the attachment parenting part of aware parenting, which of course it is a style of attachment parenting. So it's prompt responsiveness. It's if you, if you're uh, able or willing to co-sleeping and baby wearing and attunement and presence and all of that yummy stuff. So I did all of that, but I was, I, I, I didn't listen to any feelings for the first three months. So I think I thought to myself, I think consciously, I thought, you know, I'm just doing everything. And she's had a lovely birth and she probably doesn't have any feelings. So at the time I didn't know enough about aware parenting to realize it doesn't matter how lovely everything is still got, she's still got feelings. Mm. And clearly despite 10 years of therapy, doing all the things I, that, that little baby me and that incubator experience was still there going, mm -mm, no, I'm not quite ready to actually listen to her feelings. So what happened was, is I started to see some of the symptoms that other people may see is that, you know, she'd gone from being really present to just maybe a little bit less present and maybe starting to avoid eye contact a little bit more. And I, I loved breastfeeding and I, and I absolutely massively advocate breastfeeding and aware parenting does. And I think aware parenting supports breastfeeding being even more wonderful. Yeah. Um, and you know, I was feeling it all the time, which I, I, I joke that I would still be, you know, I would have done that for as many years as was required. But what I saw is that she was constantly vomiting, um, which, you know, I probably if I'd taken to a doctor that would have been diagnosed as something or other. But it was really just because I was literally constantly feeding her. So, of course, she was like, yeah, it was too much for her, for her body. So just some of these symptoms, I... I it started to go I started to realize mm, maybe she actually does have some feelings now to express so it really was that first time when she was three months old and I went mm, okay I'm I'm ready and I'm probably I'm thinking even now which I'm not sure if I've ever really consciously realized three months would have been you know it's not uh, see this is the amazing thing about this journey like I, I love that we can be I've been doing inner work for over 30 years and I still learn new things about myself every day that um you know that probably that early time would have been too much uh you know the parallel to me yeah. the time that I was on my own in an incubator so I mean I could I listened to my son right from birth but with her I think it was just too much and her being a girl as well I imagine and not having done it before so so just too painful for just you. Too painful for me. Yeah. I think just the just the um the similarity. I'm imagining yeah. to see her that small and listening. I just, yeah. So that's why I love deep compassion. Totally trust the journey. Yeah. Um, so I listened. So her dad and I we listened to the first time when she was three months old, and it was really hard because even though I've been feeding her for the solidly for the previous three or four hours, as I did every afternoon and evening. <laughs> um, she, um, I, I was really concerned that she might be hungry or there might be something terrible going on and that she would, I remember thinking, it's always interesting, isn't it? What we come up with is the, um, 
you know, maybe she will never trust me again. That was the thought I had. And but afterwards she, and we, I've shared about this a lot of times, she, you know, she was kind of agitated before, but after that first cry, it was like she became so present and this energy like filled the whole room. And it was like, if you've been to a retreat and it's like that quality of, you know, when the, someone rings the, the, the thing on their glass bowl and it radiates out and we just gazed in her eyes. I gazed into her eyes and her dad was there and it was, you know, it's just like, wow. wow. <laughs> this, this clearly is incredible and it's making a huge difference and that's going to be so much more helpful than what I was doing but it still took a long time and we I, so we listened pretty much every day from then onwards till she was three um, but still I did a lot of distracting her still so I thought I was listening to all of her feelings it took me another year to realize that I was not <laughs> so yeah. such a journey isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. but I was yes still yeah clearly just in love with my parenting <laughs> how beautiful how beautiful and I think it's really lovely as well for people to know that there isn't such a thing as doing aware parenting perfectly is there no and exactly how we are doing it is exactly how it's perfect for us to be doing it in the moment yeah. because it's yes. so complicatedly connected to us and our traumas and our hurts too so yes just whenever we can listen to our children we listen and whenever we can listen to ourselves we listen and whenever yes. we can be playful we're playful and whenever we're not that's okay too and yes some people get listened to a lot from birth and some people get listened to a lot from five and some people don't get listened to till they're adults like we were but it's all yes. it's all okay and anytime you do it it's a beautiful gift and a, and, a, and a really extraordinary and important thing that we're doing but yeah it's so helpful to remember that there is no perfect there's no perfect it does not exist and I'd also love to add you know for me because I'd focus so much on that early childhood you know and infancy and babyhood and pregnancy and I see that as you know I'd done a lot of inner work so something came up for me when Lana was eight and her dad and I separated and I hadn't really done as much inner work around that so you know for me my parenting then was nowhere near as um enjoyable or competent as it was for those early years so you know we're all different we're all going to also have places where depending on our own history things are much harder and things are much easier or you know what what the inner work we've done in different areas of our lives so yeah just deep yeah. compassion because it's a huge and humongous thing isn't it really yeah absolutely yeah learned so much about that from you as well it's really <laughs> so important yeah it's, it's yeah pivotal isn't it really yeah. So what about the natural learning side of things? Like what do you call it? Natural learning? Do you call it? What do you call it? I do call it natural learning. Yeah, that's my favorite. So why did you choose homeschooling and, and how did that all start for you? Yeah. Um, so again, I, I remember again, in when I lived in Totnes, Totnes in England was like a really uh, alternative, one of the alternative centers in the UK. And I remember friends again, who are a bit older and had kids, they took the kids to Steiner school and, I even met some that were homeschooled. Although at the time I remember meeting one who the, the little girl, all she did was like draw all the time. And I remember at the time thinking, oh my gosh, you know, when's she going to learn how to do maths, <laughs> you know, real learnings? I remember having that. <laughs> so I knew I didn't want, I knew I wanted to do something different. 
and really once I started learning about aware parenting and more the the idea of no punishments and rewards and no shaming and no coercion and all of that and listening to feelings and then also I got into NBC nonviolent communication when my daughter was nine months old and I'm also extremely passionate about that and language as people as anyone who's listened to me might know um and I really got that they are especially in those early years our children internalizing the language and the ways of thinking that they're um, around and as is my way as you might know and you're I think you're a bit like this I was so passionate about speaking so I spoke um classical MVC to them like you know no I didn't use any judgment words I used you know it's I was really I could, if I was to judge myself I might say I was a bit obsessional but I'm not going to <laughs> so I was passionate about that so really when I thought about it I just thought and from all the therapy work I'd done and from all the clients I'd seen as a therapist I thought oh how can I it just was not a fit for me to then send them off places where they would be in an environment where it still was punishments and rewards, even if subtle versions and where they would be being told this was right and this was wrong and this was good and this was bad and this person was clever and this person was stupid and all that I just could not do it I really just was not willing to do it and um, just didn't want them to experience being punished or rewarded you know it just was so clear to me that I just did not want them to experience any of that and also I realized that because I'd had just as a highly sensitive person going to school, lots of hurts around school. And I knew for me that what I would be needing to do is when they'd come home from school, I would need to be supporting them with their feelings around what had happened. Um, that I just, I knew I didn't really, I, I didn't want to be doing that. And I don't, don't, I just knew that I would be going to my own feelings around school all the time. And I wouldn't really be able to do that in a way that would be helpful. So it's just like really clear to me right from really early on that I just wasn't willing to do that because I knew it would be terrible basically <laughs> wow so wow yeah I love that I really love that and there's so often this judgment that um you know we're making decisions for our children because of our hurts that it's, it's somehow a bad thing but I love that perspective that you know not only did you not want to put your children in an environment where they were going to be exposed to that kind of thing and not only did you want to have them at home so that you could support them whenever they needed support you were also recognizing that that would bring up so much of your pain it would make it really hard for you to do that in a way that you wanted to be able to do that for your children so yeah how beautiful how thank beautiful you. for them thank you, thank oh. you. Yeah, I don't think I really ever shared that and the other thing was you know I experienced lots of um I don't like the word bullying but lots of unenjoyable experiences with children's school really painful excruciating experiences yeah. I think it's I, I, I think we see that as just natural and just what happens and again, for people who are highly sensitive, I think it's, it's really hard. And um, and I see that as the result of children, just basically children with upset feelings and in a system where they are being told what to do and not get, not having choice and autonomy, which again is one of my like key things I wanted my children to have uh, deep connection and love and empathy and profound autonomy and choice and agency. And just the fact that still in many school systems and again I'm there are lots of wonderful schools I'm sure out there um but just you know not getting to choose just even basic things like to eat when we're hungry and to go to the toilet when we need to and 
to carry on learning something all day if we want to and not ever to ever look at something if we really don't ever want to if we don't ever resonate with geography like you know not to do that so um why why did I go where did I get from there where was I going what did <laughs> That's I start? beautiful I love that I love it oh, yeah the, the, the so the experiences at school I really also didn't want them to experience those hurts from other children so I, I really wanted to them to be around other children who were having their feelings listened to or you know where I was around with them so I could support those processes particularly when they were really young so yeah, yeah. so again it was from my own experiences that I didn't want them to have <laughs> yeah yeah which they haven't which is so wonderful I yeah, really love just... that when I look back on them now and I just go they have not had unenjoyable experience you know not really unenjoyable haven't been um outcast they haven't experienced so many of the things that so commonly happens to people in school and I just see that the gift in that around not being hurt in those ways yeah yeah absolutely yeah totally <laughs> yeah so lovely so beautiful thank you um and did you always do a sort of natural learning type approach or did you play with lots of different approaches or how did you end up with natural learning yeah played with lots of things so I really love Montessori at the beginning so um my lovelies their dad trained as a Montessori 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 teacher but he didn't ever become a teacher but I had all his notes so all his files and books and notes and again what I loved about Montessori is that that deep trust in children and the um so much about agency and autonomy and also love order so I really loved like having I love order and I love toys wooden stuff so I loved that whole setup so um you know I read through all his folders and and made stuff and you know just had all the Montessori equipment so um with Lana and again, just really seeing, I think you shared this too, that how each child learns. So Lana loves, oh, here's the both workbooks. So right from like when she was two, we'd sit in cafes and do work. We'd spend a lot of time doing workbooks and we did lots of, uh, loads of Montessori stuff. And of course, you know, first child and just uh, had unlimited time to be with her. So that was just, that was what that was. And it was wonderful. Then when Sunny came along, of course, it's a bit different with two children and not having so much undivided attention. So really evolved more into natural learning things. So he he just learned to do everything. You know, of course, I read to him and all the wonderful stuff, but he you know, learned to read and write and do complex maths and astronomy and physics and everything just of his own accord. Um, and... We, we didn't register for the first nearly 10 years, which I loved so much, <laughs> it was the best. So it was like this golden era, those that first 10 years. And then um, I needed to register because um, when Sunny became six and I was a single mum in Australia, I was still wanting money from the government. So I needed to register and that was the most terrible thing ever. And um, so then, because of my all my own school stuff that still showed up, I it was much more unenjoyable, and I and I really remember some of my most painful parenting moments, trying to get Sunny to do a maths book, for example. Um, so then we did a bit more structured learning um, through that. So we kind of played with structured learning for registration purposes, and then yeah. to mix with um, natural learning the rest of the time. 
And then over the years, I just got just through seeing them learn, like just in the, even in like them seeing how they learned to swim or just seeing how they were constantly learning without any kind of workbooky or book learning or structured learning just gave me more and more deep trust in in them. So I became much more radical and natural learningy and like, yeah, just do whatever you want because I totally trust you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so reassuring when you see them just learning lots of stuff. And for me, I don't know about for you, but for me, the doubts have crept in so much on those moments where you forget what learning can look like and you get obsessed with this idea that learning is only a certain way and sitting down and with a pen and paper and a book. Yes. Um, but yes. Yeah, it took me a really long time to, to and I know I talked about this in your one, I think, around, um, around, to de-school myself around perceiving book learning to be the most superior form of learning. I think that took me a long time. Also, I think it's similar to you because I'd done a lot of um, that kind of form of learning to really deeply get that I love all forms of learning and I see them all as equally valuable and that you know, doing stuff or just you know sitting down playing with the dog is as, is as valuable learning as writing an essay or doing maths questions that took yeah. a really 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 long time to get yeah and I think that's just the most crucial thing about it isn't it to, to really understand that and to feel that and to remind yourself of that all the time yes. that we have this uh, cultural um real value about you know one type of learning looking one particular way and it being curriculum based and that kind of thing but yes all the different things and when you take time even when you think your kids aren't really doing very much and you take time to actually look at what they're doing and to, and to discover all the amazing things that they're learning all the amazing ways that they're learning things. Yes. It's a really powerful reminder of um, that we're all just on our own journey and they are too in that. Um, yeah, it's lovely. Oh, Joss, I feel touched to tears as well. It's like my, my children, well, my son and daughter have learned me how to trust humans. Mm -hmm that's what they've taught me both in aware parenting that we are innately loving connected compassionate gorgeous you know that's who we really are when we get enough of our needs met and enough of our feelings heard and that we can be completely trusted to do what we're here to do if we're given again and we're in the position to give them the support in that I mean that's what they've given me they've given me that gift isn't that amazing I feel it is amazing <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then you give that to other people like you, yes and allow their children to give that to themselves to them too yeah you know I often say to people clients and people in group I saying you know, I really so deeply trust you and I trust your time and I trust how you do this course and that's I've learned that from from my children yeah yeah it's just it's divine it's yummy it's divine. so yummy <laughs> And so what about the links then between aware parenting and natural learning? Like, why, why do you, why did you get inspired to do this series of talks? And, and what, how do you see that being most um, profound? Isn't it so funny? Because I know, I know I've, that's, <laughs> I thought of doing this and I loved how articulately you answered the question. And um, I just think they're both so, I guess I come back to that then they are just what I actually said then to actually know that children thrive on deep connection and community to come back to like more of a 
know that bigger picture around our culture that I think we're designed to live in family groups and big groups and not to go off to other places. I think we're designed to live in, um, you know, multi-generational, multi-aged groups. And um, so I'd see that as a fit for aware parenting and natural learning and just, you know, being able to stay connected with them and spend a lot and lot, 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 lot of time with them. Uh, and to support them in their needs for choice and agency and autonomy. So again, in both of those and to um, deeply trust them. I'd see that the, the common link in both of those and to learn as, as much, if not more from them as I'm offering to them, you know, or I don't like the word teaching them, but you know, it's like, yeah, they just seem to be such a gorgeous, fit for me and particularly in this culture that we live in at the moment I mean, I'm imagining and hoping that one day the way we are and we live in community and the way we are with learning will change and evolve and become kind of like how it used to be plus with all the wonderfulness that we've got from modern technology and so on but it just seems like they just fit together so nicely in a way that I'm not articulating as clearly as I'd like to <laughs> yeah well, it, it's beautiful, and it, it's about, I mean, all, everything that you've said so far basically says it all, doesn't it? But it's about, you know, us connecting and listening to their feelings and how that then allows us to connect and listen to our feelings and then us learning to trust them on on their journey of learning allows us to learn to trust ourselves. And it's all just, yeah, it's all so deeply tied up and connected to each other. And it's, yeah, it really makes sense. Yes, yeah. so much. Yeah. And I think also, which I think again, isn't so um, much necessarily accepted, which is why I loved that you said it. It was like to, um, to also in the early years to protect them from experiences that they don't actually need to experience so that they don't actually need to be experiencing being treated harshly or being judged or being shamed. And that, that I always had this sense that when they got older, you know, around about 12 or something that, they would have that internalized in a dialogue of deep compassion and deep trust in themselves and all that stuff that they could be around those kinds of things without really taking them in in, a, in such a way that happens in those early years. And again, for me, that was part of it. And again, I really see that in my lovelies now that they haven't, I'll give you an example, like when, um, when their dad and I split up, Sonny, as I've told the story a million times, went from being the most present aware being I've ever met to hitting and headbutting like all the time. And, um, you know, it was like that for quite a while. And I know if he'd been in a school environment, he would have been experiencing a lot of feedback around that and also hitting other children and then how that would have been and just a whole things that would have developed from that. So I love that, you know, he was home and that we could support him with that and he wasn't then um developing all these concepts about himself based on you know being shamed or judged or you know being told that he was someone who hurt people or all of that stuff so it was really helpful to so I think it can be really helpful when you maybe go through difficult or traumatic times to also have that more supportive um closed environment rather than being out in places where harsh harsher things are going to happen if that makes sense yeah, absolutely. And then all the, you know, in a school environment, all the other pieces that then come into play when our children are struggling and yes. um, all the interventions that are then required and the labels and the diagnoses and, and yeah. everything else. Yeah. 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 
And so your beautiful kids at home, what, what do they love doing? What do they, I mean, obviously that's changed lots over the years. What, are, what do they love at the moment? What are they, what are you all into? Oh, I love you asked that question. So um, Lana still, so she's 19 now, still loves her ballet, which she's been into since she was two and loves her art and constantly loves to teach herself new things. So she... Um, she's learning the ukulele at the moment, which I shared, and she loves Spanish. She loves, um, she just loves learning still. She's passionate about learning. So she's always doing, you know, apps that are always about, you know, brain training apps. She just loves doing those. Um, yeah, those are the things that she loves. Sunny's um, loves Japanese. So he just loves anime, learning Japanese anything that's Japanese he, he wants to do it he wants to learn about it he, he um yeah so that's that's his main passion at the moment and what about you me oh my gosh do you know what I'm really loving at the moment is is fitnessy things and getting really strong so I'm doing all, the, all these courses at the moment to really build my fitness and um doing lots of fitnessy things every day that's at the moment my main passion but of course I love online courses aware parenting <laughs> developing my own stuff um yeah. hanging out with the dog and the rabbits and my mum and <laughs> all of that yeah, stuff. beautiful beautiful listening to russell brand podcasts <laughs> <laughs> and do your kids have a clear direction about what they how they see their life being and how have you navigated the sort of de-schooling aspect of of that and that especially now I guess Lana's come to the end of the process I'm, I'm approaching that myself with my boy and um how yeah how do you then allow that trust and that those same um that same philosophy of natural learning to expand into the next stage of their lives too because there's, there's all those questions about oh what are you going to do next oh, and I no. university and no. all those things so yes. i'd love to hear about that for you yeah well i see i see lana still teaching me more about that because i've again i still had that like you know that was always the choice wasn't it like when i grew up and still is often the world's like well you're going to get a job you're 18 so you either get a job or you go to university or you go to here in Australia it's like TAFE or whatever and go younger and um she she's a she I think she's um I think it's partly to do with aware parenting and part that's helped to stay connected but her ballet is exquisite and so for years people have been saying you should well, why don't you go and do professional and go full time and go and, you know, apply? And, and she's, she's always like, I know I've said all these things in our podcast, but she's so no, I don't want to do that. Which every time she says, I'm blown away because I'm not blown away. I'm so in awe. Because yeah. as I said before, if I'd been, you know, really competent at anything at that age and someone said, well, you could, you could do that and you could be on the stage and people would think you're amazing and you're so great. Why didn't you? I, would, I wouldn't have thought into, do I really want to do that? I've just been like, okay, I'll do that. So she doesn't want to do that. She just, she's, she lives life and she does what she enjoys. And at the moment, she's just really enjoying that and she's really helping me um, and learn my perceptions of what happens at 18 and that or how it has to look and again I'm in awe of that like really the, the perceptions I have like also on her 18th birthday we had a lovely family day and she had friends over and it was really wonderful and then it got to the evening and her dad and I were like we were going to do this whole ritual for her and it was going to be amazing she's like 
no, you know, I'm tired. I just, that, that's, in, that's enough for me. So, you know, she, she just came home and we spent time at home and she just played some music and just did some drawing. I'm like, what? How, how does this even happen? How does someone so connected with themselves that they can make these choices? So I completely trust her. I'm just learning from her how to do that. That's so beautiful. Yeah. And Sonny, I don't know, I imagine he'll probably do something to do with computers or, or whatever. I just totally trust he'll. I trust that they'll find their way and I'm here to support them in, in doing that. And um, yeah, I don't know what that's that... gorgeous. Imagine being an 18 year old and have your mother say to you, I trust that you'll find your way and I totally support you in whatever choices you make. Yeah. I mean, the freedom, the freedom that that would then give you to actually do what you want to do in your life rather than what the expectations and meeting other people's ideas. Yeah. So lovely. So liberating. Yeah. I know I keep, when I do like, you know, my inner loving presence process work and I go, what would I, what would it be like for me? What would have I done at 16 or 17 or 18 if I literally could do anything? And I would have spent the whole time at the ice rink. It was like my dream to do that. It would have been amazing. <laughs> Beautiful. Yes. Yes. So if you could go back, like what, what or advice for people who are first starting out in this, like being the, the wise, uh, the end of the process, well, not the end, but I you know, know it's not the end. Yeah. But, like, um, oh, what would you really love to do? Uh, would you love to it's just something about freedom. Would you like to feel really free? And I, I really want to acknowledge, and you, as you did as well, like, you know, for so many people that's, you know, it's really hard um, because we need a certain degree of financial support and stability and so on to do this. I really want to, again, I want to acknowledge the bigger cultural and, you know, positions people find themselves in, but I had to, something about, What would you really love to do? How would you like to have those years of parenting to be like? What What would you like your life to look like with your child or children? And how, and are you willing to do that? It doesn't have to look like the culture tells us it has to. There's no have to. Yeah. We really get to choose. And I know within the paradigm that we live in, the cultural and financial paradigm, but within that, yeah, what do you really want? And. Yeah. Uh, do it because <laughs> yeah. I remember the number of times we would you know just the early years those that first years we were at the beach all the time we were just hanging out and having fun and doing lovely things and going out and hanging out with other families and playing and I'd be chatting with my friends and it was so amazing like we really can have that we didn't need to get up we'd we'd be up late at night I remember one time there was a community thing and we were up late at night and then we were looking at the stars and then one by one all the uh, um, again no judgment but all the children were told to go to bed and all the families went away because they all needed to get up to school the next night and we stayed up till you know midnight or whatever just looking at the stars around the fire and I thought this to me this is it this is learning like we can live life now we do not need to do half the stuff that we think we have to yeah Yes, free from all those constraints. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. And all the little ways that that plays in your life. I remember my kids going through a stage when they were, I don't know, maybe eight and six, where they just loved to learn stuff around nine o'clock at night. Yes. <laughs> 
that just seemed to be their optimal learning time. And it was so nice to be able to just go with that. Okay, that's yeah. how it is. That's fine. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, Lani used to do it often. She'd get into something maybe four and she'd just be wanting to do the whole workbook or learn the whole thing or whatever it was. And it's how wonderful that we... I, also, I, would, I think even now I find if we need to get somewhere in the morning quite quickly, I, it's still not my preferred way of doing things. And I think it would have been terrible to have to get up at a certain time five mornings a week and get rush out the door. I just love lazy not lazy I don't even like the word lazy where did that come from I love <laughs> leisurely getting up and hanging out and yeah. yeah yeah that's so lovely isn't it I agree and that's such, such a common complaint for people whose kids do go to school that they hate all that rushing and busyness and lunches and all that craziness in the morning and I love that our days are free of that the vast majority of the time and that we just spend time sitting around and hugging and chatting and lazing and just days in our pajamas and yes. <laughs> it's so nice <laughs> yeah. yeah just more fun and pleasure and leisure and connection and yes yeah I do I do think so yeah. yummy and that's so good for us in in so many ways and good for our relationships and good for us physically and good for us psychologically and so much less stress and just so many benefits yeah yeah and is there anything about the process that you found challenging yes so um when so those two times i mentioned when we first registered reg registering again until about two years ago actually again it took me a really long time again because of my own conditioning around school and all the feelings that would show up for me around you know getting it you know getting a mark and all that stuff it would i would get so stressed at registration time and for the months beforehand and it, and it really impacted my parenting somewhat as I said some of my worst parenting moments were because I felt so powerless because I thought if I don't do this then we're not going to get registered and then I'm not going to get any money from the government how I'm going to how I'm going to live that was before I was you know really working much and it was so stressful so I really found that really hard um yeah and had what shifted for you then for that a shed load of inner work around yeah. my own experiences around school because that was yeah. all learned from school like the terror around oh my god I'm not going to get not going to do it right or I'm not going to get marked right or you know all that would show up over and over and over again and again that was part of it was confirming thing like oh my god I don't want my children to have all that stuff I see yeah. it as we shared I see it in so many people like women entrepreneurs that I work with all that stuff around school shows up preventing us from just going what would I like to share how would I like to share it right I'm going to go and share it now yeah yeah, yeah. and anything else about the process that you found challenging or that you've uh, needed support with or yeah well I mean to me it's like that also in the more recent years just being just to really acknowledge the experience of being uh, I don't like the word single parent but you know also doing my own following my own calling contributing the world making a living um, whilst also not living in a community and yeah also having like less and less community as the years went on like more and more people's kids went to school and just you know things that happened the sunny hitting thing that with that became less and less and just seeing that then 
it, it wasn't, I knew it could be more wonderful and I could spend more time on screens than I would enjoy. So just, I think that deep compassion for, yeah, that it's, that it hasn't, that, that the second 10 years, let's say, or the second and nine years after hasn't been as amazing and wonderful as the first 10. And just to really acknowledge that's part of, as I said, you know, my own journey, my own inner work and the reality of a, being a single mama and not living in community. That, that, yeah. Yes. Which I think then inspires me even more to support, you know, change at a community level, because I think I often see it is that, um, you know, we can do the thing that is this paradigm, which is school, and then it has its, you know, there are things, of course, that children get that they don't get, that, you know, being community and so on, but there are things that are lost out, but also it can be quite hard. Um, I know that you did it really beautifully, but it can be quite hard to um, homeschool or do natural learning when we're not yet living in the kinds of communities that I think we're designed to. So it's like that in between the paradigm shift. So um, yeah, that's yes. been pain, really painful at times, but I also have yeah. just trust and compassion. For... Yes. We did amazingly for the first 10 years, so <laughs> got a great foundation. <laughs> yeah. And, and as with the parenting and the aware parenting side of things, that you know, it's the support for us is so crucial to be able to, to do it in the way that we want to and to be able to heal our own hurt so that we're then available to help our children too and to be playful and all those kind of things is only possible when we're, we have the capacity to be lighthearted. And the same is true of the learning so much, isn't it, that we really need that that support, especially when you're doing it so differently to other people we, and so differently to how we did it. We really need that that supportive environment of, of people who, who understand what you're going through and also really value all those different types of learning and all those different um, forms of intelligence and and all of the things about homeschooling that are so beautiful and rich for our kids um, so that when we have those moments where we've got too much on and we're overwhelmed or we have the doubts or, or any of those things we have that that space to, to turn to to have that um, loving support and understanding and compassion because yeah, so we can't always provide it for ourselves can we well we get more competent at it over years but yeah yeah and I and just having um, some other, um, you know, friends who are who are been homeschooling all the way through has been just so essential, really. Yeah, absolutely. But not as many as I would have liked. If I could go back again, yeah, <laughs> a bit more like you've done. I think you've done amazingly. But there you go. <laughs> well, not always, but I mean, you know that I've been very lucky that wherever we've been, there have been some families that we've been able to be have a really close connection with and share the journey with. But um. Oh, it would be so nice to be living in a in a tribe somewhere where we were all doing it. Yeah. Everybody was aware parenting and everybody was natural learning and yes. yeah. 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 It'd be very different, wouldn't it? So yeah. we're part of co-creating that to be coming into being more more and more for more people, I, I hope. Yeah. yeah. And so is there anything else that you would like to share about what you've loved about it or um uh, well you know I'd love to say I wonder if you've experienced this too it just goes so quickly like when I say Lana's 19 and Sonny's 14 like I, it seems 
you know, no time ago since they were, um, you know, zero and four and such a precious special time. And when they get to be teenagers, they do not want to spend as much time with us. So it's something about the opportunity to spend as much time as we possibly can. Like it's really it's fleeting, isn't it? Childhood is so fleeting in some ways. And so whether or not you, the listeners want to want to do natural learning or whatever, just like I would invite you to hang out with your kids more, yes. <laughs> make the most yeah. of it. <laughs> yes, yes, cherishing all that that lovely time together, even when you're yeah you know, when you're in the thick of it. Sometimes it feels so exhausting and overwhelming, but my goodness, it does go so fast. And yeah, what a what a beautiful. Um, bonus and gift it's been of aware parenting just to have spent so much time together I just there's nothing I'd change if I if I could go back even though I've done it imperfectly there's nothing I would change what about you yeah I mean I tend to think I know it'd be nice if it happened differently but it, yeah I don't think it could have done because of all the things unfolded so yeah <laughs> I'm grateful I'm really grateful mm. What amazing beings they are. Yes, yes, indeed. Wow. Thank you so much, Marion. I've so yeah. loved listening yeah, to you. More. I want to chat more with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so nice. It's just so beautiful. And our kids are, and us, we're all so blessed to have been able to make this choice and to have then had so much beautiful yumminess out of it all yeah since you're starting to go and like cry now <laughs> for the, for like crying out of like joy as well like oh my yeah. god isn't it an amazing ride i'm so grateful <laughs> yeah so grateful gorgeous yum well thank you thank you for being willing to do this thank you for being willing to listen to me and, and um I'm excited as well because we have a, an idea, don't we? We've had an idea come to us about because we have this both this joint passion for these joint two things to um, to want to contribute to providing an environment of more support for people who are also either passionate about and already into or wanting to embark more into both aware parenting and natural learning. So we've got a project in the pipeline around some kind of membershipy thing mm. do you want to say yeah. more about that well we're sort of exploring and building it aren't we at the moment but um yeah something that allows us to support other parents to combine these beautiful things which are both all about that connection and love and compassion and play with our children and um yeah just supporting our kids on their own unique journeys becoming their own unique people and um, connected deeply to their authentic selves and something around just supporting parents through that process because it, it's not easy. Um, and yeah, the support makes all the difference. So yeah, very exciting. <laughs> so yeah, so keep an ear out and an eye out and we'll be sharing more as it becomes clear and unfolds. So yummy, yum, yum. Yes, very much. Mm. Oh, thank you thank you so much Marion I've, I've really loved it thank you oh, thank you big hugs big yeah, love bye bye <laughs>